Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Brighton Rock, an Albion podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, my usual cohort, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hi, Russ. And we have another guest in today, making his debut on the show, Mr. Robin Woolley. How are you, sir? Very well, thanks, chaps. How are you? Excellent. Good, good. Yeah, we're good. Isolating well. Yeah, it's all going well. <laughs> um, now, Robin, you've been um, on Josh's podcast, which um, some people who are listening to this may know, the Together podcast. Um, so you yeah. have a bit of podcast experience. Um, but your first time joining us on here. So um, first of all, really, before we get into the main body of our today's plan i wanted to just ask you about your albion supporting history how you came to be an albion fan when and so on oh yeah absolutely um i've got a fairly fairly typical story i guess for for most albion fans family connections um in brighton going back um you know the last hundred years or so um my grandfather who who passed away a couple of years ago now aged 100 um he was the first person that got me into the albion really he he used to go and he was a boy. He used to tell me about going to the Goldstone Ground in the 19, late 1920s, even, and early 1930s. Um, so that was wow. the first kind of influence on me. Um, and as I was growing up, yeah, I mean, whenever we used to talk on the phone or see each other, we'd talk about the Albion. Um, and yeah, my uncle goes quite a lot as well, who, who um, I think you've met him, Russ, at the Albion a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my dad isn't especially into it. I mean, he's he follows the Albion, but he's he doesn't go really. But he, he keeps up with what's going on. But yeah, I mean, kind of fairly typical family family connection. I went to my first game in 1994. 
when I was seven, which was Plymouth at home. Can't remember the score, but that was the first first game I went to. And yeah, haven't really haven't really stopped for the subsequent 25, 27 odd years. Brilliant. That sounds good. Um, well, I think, I can't remember, Peter, did you say your first game was a win? Was, yeah. Yeah, mine was as well. So maybe yours was as well, Robin. We could be could have on the hat trick here. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll have to um, re- review the results. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, research. I'm just going to look it up actually now whilst we're chatting, and I'll tell you in a yeah. second. But yeah, I do remember there were certainly goals in it. That's as much mm. as I can remember. It certainly wasn't a nil-nil draw. Um, you, I was pretty much hooked from the first game I went to. It was literally like, this is the most. This is incredible. This is amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally hooked. And you know. Most of the big moments in my life have have involved the Albion, to be honest. You know, Wonderful. even you know, even I get in I get in trouble at home talking about this. But yeah, I mean, even like when you talk about births of, I mean, beyond like beyond the births of my children and getting married, probably mm. everything else is um, everything else is uh, is Albion related. I mean, the the weird thing is, you talk to people about this, and and football kind of engenders this very weird emotional response that you can't really control and you can't really compare it to anything else i'll give you a weird example which is for instance i cried when the albion got promoted to the premier league but i didn't cry when my children were born yeah and that's not that's not like a choice thing Mm -hmm. that was just you know like how your body reacts in in different it's odd isn't it yeah, I suppose it's something because the, the child thing is is maybe just, I guess it's a natural progression as you've gone through the months, haven't you? You've, you've been expecting yeah. this to happen and it's it's yeah. emotional in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, it's very odd. Build up of many, yeah, many t- years. I suppose also 25 years, isn't it? It was yeah, a culmination yeah. of 25 years worth of, and of, I think of we all, energy we, into uh, it. Even near the end, we all kind of were in our minds saying, how are we going to screw this up? How are we going to screw this up? And all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Football fans, you kind of think. Until it I've just happens, looked. I've just it. looked it up, and it was the 30th of March, 1994, and the Albion won 2-1. There, there we, we go. go. So there you go. We have the hat trick, the full house. A full right. house. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. A collective, collective um, emotion, I suppose, is the other thing. Go back to what you were saying just now. Um, it's it's one of those amazing moments. And, and did you have the, uh, the the usual what's now become a cliche to say that the, the thing about the the first view of the pitch and its luminous green and um, the, yeah, you know, no, for me, of... I think it was the I think actually think it was the noise for me, mm. the kind of yeah. I mean, you, you're not really if you've not been to football before, and obviously you know any other sporting event. I think it was the the sheer number of people and the the kind of the electric atmosphere that gets you before anything else really happens. Yeah. Just remember thinking, this is just, you know, this is just loud. But you just feel it into it. I don't know, it was like you just walked in straight away and you thought, no, this is... I imagine you get kids that go in at that age and it's just not for them. I imagine that happens probably just as much as people that get hooked on it. But I remember yeah. just, same as Peter, really, I just walked in thinking, yeah, this is, this is it. This is me yeah. for the next half many years. Forever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to from that. Barring coronavirus, yeah, Definitely. yeah Same correct. For me. And for me, it was also the sort of the journey as well, going over. I think initially by car with my dad, but then more, almost more later on, when I went by a train for the first time, age sixteen or fifteen, and meeting up with schoolmates, and I had the whole excitement of it. Evening games in the summer, that sort of balminess to it. It was all all fantastic. But 
you um, are from the south, uh, Robin, and that's when yep. I first met you when you were living in, I think, in Woking, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I was in Woking at that point, yeah. When I first met you for an away game at Portsmouth, I think it was. Yeah. Um, you've subsequently moved, though, haven't you? You're, uh, even if we weren't in lockdown, we would have been making this conversation by yeah. as likely as not, because uh, we'll tell, tell the listeners where you are. Um, I live very close to Durham, just outside Sedgefield, which was Tony Blair's old constituency for political mm -hmm. fans amongst the listenership. Um, so I've been living up here since early 2015. So yeah, so mm. yeah, five years. Wow. Um, and I've retained my season ticket, which has yeah. been another difficult, difficult financial conversation at home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say it's, it's, you know, my, my grandma's is still, still around uh, in the nineties and she lives in Hove. So I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that I can justify fairly regular trips down to the Albion um, to to see her um, and kind of tie it in that way. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, yeah, get down, get down a fair bit and away games as much as I can. Annoyingly, not so many Premier League away games in this area as when we're in the championship. So um, obviously, you know, when we're in the championship around here, we had, um, you know, had Middlesbrough, Hull, Leeds, both Sheffield clubs, you know, Hull, uh, Huddersfield, Newcastle, obviously. So there was a fair, fair bunch within Barnsley, um, a fair bunch within a fairly easy, easy distance. So, but, but anyway, yeah, it is adds lends a certain, um, certain difference to it. And I think it probably, I don't know, it, it it's definitely changed. Like you, Peter will know this from the WhatsApp group because we've had plenty of spars over this in the past. I think it's because when I come down to a game, I think in terms of the time committed and the money committed to doing it, I mean, like it's a full weekend exercise, really, to come down. So I think all of that feeds into probably having a more extreme reaction to results either mm. way. Yeah. I get because say, I yeah. think a win is obviously makes the whole thing worthwhile and you know it adds to the sense of it because you think i've actually you know in my, in my own tiny way i've kind of sacrificed something you know to come and witness the win and i think on the flip side again if, if you come down all that way and it's a dreadful performance and you lose it's kind of double the double the pain because yeah. it's not like you're going to be home in half an hour or an hour or a couple of hours and you can yeah. sort of well, I forget think that's about the same. it i think even even without the journey, it's the same for any football fan. If you're a, a proper fan, if you lose at the weekend, it kind of ruins your weekend. Oh yeah, so, completely. So um, you know, completely. whatever else you do at the weekend, however much fun it is, it'll always be tainted by the fact you lost, and vice versa. If you win, however much, however rubbish the rest of the weekend is, you'll always like got that you know the, the happiness of knowing you won at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I I wonder actually, it might be some truth in that. I haven't thought before, Robin. But yeah, now you mentioned it, you're in exile in the northeast. Um, Nick, another person on our group who's ultra-negative um, with anything to do with anything that's going wrong with the Albion. Um, he lives in Manchester. Um, you could say to an extent Charlie in uh, the Milton Keynes area who travels down each game. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, a big investment for him, the season ticket. Um, and Josh, of course, in the States. And all yeah. of those guys, well, not Charlie so much, but the other ones are all... Um, you yourself included, tend to go on to a real downer when we're not doing well. So, yeah. so maybe there is some truth in that, yeah. But I think it's definitely, for me, I, I get I get a lot more bothered about it when I've been. Like, yeah. occasionally, if, if I've not, you know, if I've followed, if I've watched the game on a stream or I've listened to it and we've lost, I'll still be annoyed. But there's definitely more of a, 
there's definitely more of a reaction in naturally, more I suppose. You know, if you're there, isn't it, I suppose, and kind of like... Yeah, exactly. You've witnessed it and you think yeah. and especially when you think when you put the time you think, I could have spent three days doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you could have done quite a lot in three days. Although maybe yeah, not so exactly. Much, generally. Well yeah, yeah, you could do a lot in the garden in three days. But yeah, no, I wouldn't say I'm I enjoy it, you know, it, it, but also the flip side of it is it is it makes because you're not because I'm not going every week, it makes the times that I do go a lot more special, a lot more enjoyable because there's a kind of premium to it because yeah. I'm not going every week. And obviously so, and I so meet so up with you with you know with Russ and, and everyone and you've got yeah. the whole kind of pre match and post match experience that goes on with it. I mean and and those sections are as enjoyable whether you win or lose to be honest. So yeah, that's why you ha- you kind of have to separate it a little it's, bit. Yeah, yeah we it's often say it's a good day out ruined by an hour and a half of football generally. Yeah, <laughs> always. Or most of the time. So Absolutely. Anyway. But yeah, I mean I say it's the same for me because um, you go out for the day and I, I look forward to the event of it as much as the actual game. Um, aside from the joke Peter said about the football, even when the football's good, it's still as much about meeting up with mates, the whole day trip down because I'm in London, Peter's in London, you're, you're in the North East. So whenever you go down, it's, it's a journey as well. There's a lot yeah. of anticipation builds up. It's crystallised emotions, isn't it, as well? If you don't go as often, there's that to factor in too. And um it is a yeah. It's, a, it's an investment in the weekend, effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, moving on to another little bit of your Albion story before we move on to other matters in this, which will be the first of a two-parter with you, Robin. By the way, we're going to record and put out as two episodes for listeners, just so you know. Um, the last bit of Robin's story I wanted to get onto is something you mentioned to me a while ago, Robin. Um, I don't know if Peter knows about this already. Um, you have a rather um, comprehensive uh, system in operation. In terms of your uh, record keeping of Albion games, yeah, so. I do. Um, it start when I was a kid. It started. I just used to make when I used to come back from a game. I just used to record basically the opposition and, and what the score had been. And I just used to do this as a kid, you know, just like making notes, etc. And as it got through the years, I eventually I transferred it to a spreadsheet in a in a particularly geeky way i actually haven't <laughs> think you, it, I, I when you mentioned it the other day russ i realized i haven't actually updated it for about the last year so that's something i need to get on but yeah it's a it's a nice record in one mm. sense as it gives you a it gives you a kind of crystallized view of what you've what you've uh, what you've been through on the other hand you, you think what on earth have i done wasting <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is 500 odd afternoons watching us in various places around the country um i do actually know someone an albion fan who's a similar age to me who who has gone one step further in that he records as well as recording the score he actually re- records all the goal scorers albion Ooh. goal scorers so he can tell you obviously you know of the games that he's been to which which Albion player has scored the most number of goals, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So. Anyway. Really yeah, <laughs> I say it was that it was kind of thing. I just started it more as a kid. You think when you were traveling back from the game or whatever it was, just make a few notes. But yeah, helpful. Mm-hmm. Especially you when you're that? trying to do your 92. It's <laughs> useful for keeping that up to date. Yeah. Where, where are you up to on that, by the way? Well, this is, a, this is always a, a thing of great debate. Because you're, if, you're, if I'm counting current grounds, obviously, give an example, I've been to watch the Albion at White Hart Lane play Spurs, but I've not been to the, the new Spurs ground. So it's always a difficulty yeah. whether you count that or not. Um, so if you're, looking at, if you're looking at that in terms of current grounds of current teams in the 92, I'm on 74. 
Not bad. Not bad at all. Not too if far you factor in play, If you factor in, like, for example, I've been, obviously been, you know, been to Spurs as old ground. I've been, there's a few others that are either now not in the, either in the National League now or at different grounds. If you factor those into it, it goes up to like early 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult, isn't it, with something like White Hart Lane? Because it's the same venue, it's the same, what, part of the same footprint. Yeah, it's but difficult, it is isn't a it? holy new stadium. I, I think I'm counting it as a separate one. Uh, it's easy for me to say that, though, because I've been to the new one already. But Yeah, uh, I say it, it's difficult. There are so mm. many people who have, have, different, have different ways of gauging it. Mm. Um, I say, particularly, there was that time when we were in League One, particularly, where we, you know, we were playing teams like Hartlepool and Dagenham and Redbridge, and that a lot of those teams that are now in the national league, um, so I got picked up a fair few at that at that point. So yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Anyway, well, just just going back to your um, the spreadsheet and your um, your record keeping. Uh, it's a shame I lost a lot of the um, the old programs I had. The wife threw them out. Um, <laughs> that's a bone of some contention, I have to say. Nearly a divorce breaker that one there. <laughs> but um, I've lost um, a lot of records of what I of the games I went to. So firstly, to say I'm rather jealous that you do have a record of every game, which is. I think a brilliant thing to have done. Uh, secondly, you were saying about um, needing to update a year's worth. If only you had the time to do something like that, Robin. I'm, well, I know exactly. I might, I'm <laughs> going to have to check in my busy social schedule for the next three months and see if I can find time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, moving on. Uh, last episode, we were very delighted and thrilled to get Paul Barber on. Um, first of all, Robin, did you get a chance to listen to that, by the way? Yeah, I did. I thought it was absolutely great. Um, you know, Paul's always very, very good value. He's always very open and honest, I think, far more so than I think a lot of people in, in his position would be. And, you know, just I think all, all that he says underlines what, you know, a lot of us have been saying for a long time, which is we're very lucky to have someone like him in that position. I think he's, he's yeah. one of the best in the business at what he does. Yeah, we had uh, feedback from someone who's been on the show, the gent, a.k.a. Raymond, as you all know him. Um, yeah. And he said pretty much exactly what you've just said there, including the bit about being lucky to have him. I think a lot of people do sort of diss him, especially in the early days when everyone was starting FFP and together as a catchphrase and all this sort of thing. Um, I think there's a lot of dissenters and people are always quick to look for a way to criticise anything, uh, whether it be new or not. Um, but I do think and I hope he's now come to become um, appreciated by everybody because, I mean, he is doing a fantastic job, in my opinion, and um, long may it continue. But um, I thought it came across well. Peter, You, um, we talked a bit about the interview afterwards, but any further thoughts from you as well? No, having listened back, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I'm, I was. Uh, think Paul came across really well, as, as always, as he's done every time he's been to Seagulls over London, every time I've heard him speak. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he... He say he is, you know. I think at first people saw him as just kind of this person who was hatchet man, kind of brought in by Tony Bloom. But he is actually a very passionate football fan as well. He's like, he's not just, you know, just a business person brought in to, you know, almost people thought maybe at first to rip fans on. He actually does care about the club and the area and the and the fans. And yeah, that comes across well. And everything I mentioned, a lot of the stuff that the club are doing since the, you know, since the Premier League got kind of called off or postponed is um, down to him. You know, a lot of the ideas I imagine come through him or have been put forward by him. So, yeah, good, good on him. I really, was really pleased he came on and it was really good interview. Yeah, and he, uh, I think we may have got a couple of exclusive. I think he was talking about Amazon vouchers for staff, wasn't it? Um, was one thing that's been offered. Yeah, so shame. I wonder if he'd have revealed about the one of the players getting coronavirus if it had been a day later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the timing was almost... In fact, maybe he already knew it was the tests were about to go ahead. Who knows? 
Um, I guess he's not going to mention anything if that was the case because it was in, um, well, pending. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, I bet the timing was uh, almost perfect for that. Um, you also mentioned about going for a run on the seafront. So uh, another exciting exclusive there, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure people are thrilled to hear that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, unfortunately, yeah, and timing-wise, um, there's, there's been a little bit happening since the last podcast, so um, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Um, some announcements have been made in the league or the non-league structure, so not the National League, Prem, South and North, but below that, the Football League has essentially although those leagues have essentially agreed um, to expunge and void fixtures and the season as a whole. Um, so there's no promotional relegation up and down between those divisions and no promotion into National League North and South, as I understand it. Um, this has caused some consternation and some anger amongst some clubs, hasn't it? Which is not surprising. Um, what are your guy? What are you guys, what are your takes on this and... Also, I mean, Robin up in your neck of the woods, South Shields are particularly angry about this, aren't they? Um, yeah, very much so. Do you think I've... this is a prototype as well for, for testing the waters before the... Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, I know we've, we've all discussed this separately and together over the last couple of weeks. I just think it's very, very difficult. I, wouldn't, I don't envy the football authorities having to make a decision on any of the scenarios. I mean, they're all fraught with their own you know, particular areas of risk, you know, if you, if you can the season as a whole, which is this option that's being pursued, you then obviously got the issue of teams who are well clear at the top of a division, South Shields, Jersey Bulls, we've talked about. PT, you mentioned the team who's top of Conference South. Wasn't there someone who's been top of Conference uh, South I'll, for the, much of the season? Yeah, I just point out, they, they won't be affected, will it? Because it's not Conference South, ignore me. Oh, yeah, of course, so they'll be fine, yeah. Yeah. Ignore me, but yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's very difficult. Oxford Motors is another one though, similar level as um as Jersey. South Shields. They've already been promoted. Um, Worthing, of course, have been having a good season all year. Yeah, yeah. It's very very difficult, and I mean, I think I can see, I can see the argument on the other side, which is that clubs at that level, more than higher up the leagues, need an awful lot of certainty over what they're going to be. You know, they can't just sit in limbo for the next three months and see what happens. So I can see that side of the argument, but it's very difficult. I mean, mm. wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather finish a season before thinking about starting another one? I don't know. Yeah. And say so they're all all the options are as fraught as the next. I think. Yeah. The interesting one is how you'd feel if you had a truly dreadful season. You only had ten points or something like that, or fifteen. Would you view oh, it as yeah. saving us, or would you think, oh god, we've got to play again at the same level when we clearly can't compete and have the same? That's an problem. interesting point. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Would you, well, I suppose that would mean you think, okay, we're, we're going to have to double up on our recruitment if we can. Yeah. But if you haven't got um, the money, then you might just yeah, might as well... you're going to be doing the same. Yeah, and it's just going to be a, you know the same problem. You're probably going to end up getting relegated instead next season. Then, and yeah, yeah, there's usually there's usually one or two teams do that, isn't there? There's usually one or two have hopelessly bad seasons. Yeah, exactly. They really so, do be resetting themselves, and and they're more like the if anything to drop down the next level afterwards rather than actually improve at that level. You know, they often yeah. go down like three or four levels and they often a few players. My The thing that surprised me was that there was a lot of clubs saying they found out on social media and that's not well yeah. happened when it's an announcement like that. You've got to let clubs know in advance. And Yeah, yeah, and I agree. That, that's not good. And they were saying there's about 30 clubs that have that are actively against it. Because I believe the decision's still got to, got to be ratified by, by yeah. the FA's board in the next couple of weeks. So I suppose there's yeah. clubs now who are going to be kind of... Um, 
lobbying for a, a different decision. But it's difficult when you've got when there's when there's no level really of kind of unanimous opinion. Mm. It's, say what you're not gonna you're not gonna please anyone, and in a lot of cases you you're not gonna please the majority because yeah. you know there's three or four different scenarios that you could you could go the, down. So the interesting point is where this leaves the national league because there, there won't by definition be any relegation presumably from the national league if this is ratified. Because well, yeah, no, exactly. The thoughts so. no there's no gap for them to f- to flow into. Yeah, so so if the national league does continue, presumably they only look at promotion from national league south and north, and not relegation. Yeah, yeah. You'd have thought so. That would have to be, which then of course renders some games a, a bit pointless if you're yeah. if you're towards the bottom and you know you're not going to go down. I I, I, find, I think it's I personally I think it's a a precedent that they're trying to start at the lower level to see what happens. And the reason for that is I can't see any way that they can justify having one rule for one set of leagues and one rule for another one and no. potentially end up with the, the different, with different leagues starting next season at different times and stuff like that, which would be really weird. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I agree with you. Well, it is a, we'll to, it's not an easy thing. We're going to have to see how it transpires. Um, interesting times, for sure. And yeah. it has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works, actually, as well, a bit, because... I'm still an advocate of getting the season done as and when, even if it means having a two-year season. Um, but, you know, it's, it's anyone's guess how this is going to pan out. Yeah. Um, I do agree, few... Robin, that I wouldn't envy anyone doing this decision. It's, a, you know, genuinely, it's the least worst decision rather than the best decision. It's a... Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll, be, they'll be weighing up which decision is going to lead to the, the fewest number of lawsuits. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's basically the lowest, that's the lowest common denominator they can go up. Probably, you can't differ it by division because that's probably going to say, well, why are we, you know, cancelling our season when... Yeah, know, exactly. I mean, especially yeah. from a legal, you know, from a legal precedent point of view, if you're a lawyer, you would, you would be, able to, you'd be able to make a fairly decent case yeah. if one league is being treated in a different way exactly. to another. But if you just under the same, say, we, yeah. we have no idea this is going to happen, we can't legislate for it. It's the, you know, it's an, it's an act of God, system. basically. Yeah. yeah. What can we do? You I mean, because every, every league is under the same pyramid. I mean, it's all part of the same pyramid, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever level. I mean, however far you're down, you're still part of the overall. I mean, whether in the Premier League or whether you're in, you know, the Isthmian Premier, mm. you're still part of the same overarching pyramid, aren't you? So yeah. the, the same rules should apply. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. And there's been a few other bits in the news as well, just moving on. Um, Of course, um, we've seen this week some very notable names getting COVID-19. Prince Charles was announced, then Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock, and also the CMO, I believe, the Chief Medical Officer, have all contracted it. So uh, that's the main news going on generally. Um, In football terms, not an awful lot, um, unsurprisingly, just a lot more conversations about how things might pan out. Lots of... uh, video footage um, from the world of football. Um, We have had, I think Brighton may have been the groundbreakers in having a Zoom press conference, if I'm not mistaken. The first club to to do a wholly um, remotely um, executed press conference. So nobody live in a venue, but just all, literally just all online. Um, I think that's right, isn't it? Um, Yeah, that that was very good from Graham Potter. It was a good, good press conference. Yeah, I missed it, actually. Unfortunately, I somehow missed that. I'm not, not quite sure how that happened. But um, was there anything significant mentioned there, particularly? Um, I think the one thing that came out of it for me, which is, as you'd expect from Graham Potter, he made quite a, a big mention that the, the club are using a psychologist um, mm. during this time, which 
said that not a lot of other clubs are to obviously you know try and protect the players' mental match fitness as much as their physical fitness. Yeah. Um, which was which obviously a very good move. I mean, even you know on a human level, taking the football element out of it. You know, putting anyone into into a situation that they're not not normally used to for a prolonged period of time, you know, has the potential well, to affect someone's mental health. So the fact yeah. they're looking after them from a human a human point of view is is kind of exactly what you'd expect the Albion to be doing, really, given our yeah, I mean, our recent I mean, yeah. way of handling things. Yeah, Albion are pretty good at that sort of thing. I think the emotional intelligence kind of sensibilities are very much there with the club, aren't they? In terms of the ring rounds they've been doing, elderly, um, to do with this, to do with the fact they wanted to get training programs online early. I think that was with Zoom as well. Um, so they've they've done a few things there, which clearly shows they're in touch with their surroundings as well as just the bubble they're in um, or could be seen to be in. Um, obviously, Albion in the community by extension over the last number of years now as, uh, as another good example of that, um, looking further back. Um, on a much more downbeat note, another bit of football news this week, James McLean's got himself in trouble again. Even in isolation, he can't help himself, yeah. can he? The fries no, fairly dis- yeah, fairly distasteful, wasn't it? But um... Yeah, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, he's, I, I didn't see it firsthand, but apparently he was wearing a balaclava and saying something about history lesson for the kids while standing in a room with his kids, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Which is not great. I mean, yeah, we know his views. I Stoke and apologise, saying he didn't rise, it will cause offence. Uh, yeah, it's like, no, that's not, that's not going to wash. I mean, the only way he could believe that to be true is if he didn't realise people that would definitely be offended by it were having access to his social media, which also sounds pretty naive. So I don't believe him for a second. Um, I mean, he's entitled to his view, just as anyone else. It's a free country. But, you know, he's, he's got a form already, hasn't he, with stuff that's, should we say, unnecessarily agitating. He's, he's in a position yeah. where he's a role model. And, you know, you've, you've got to stay pretty neutral on that. So I know there's the poppy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, know, I know he's obviously that, but, where... Given the fact that where he comes from, there's a particular viewpoint that's held in that yeah, yeah. in that place yeah. as opposed to Edward. So I I understand I understand the background, but I think, mm. like you say, there's there's a way of dealing with it that doesn't need to be quite as in your face as he has chosen to do it in the past. Yeah, yeah. So rather disappointing, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll leave it on that note. Um, moving on to other matters, and now we come to the main part of the podcast, part one of the uh, of the two parts with Robin. Um, it is getting on to the to the matter of teams of the decade. Now, a couple of episodes ago, when we did the last one of these, Peter and I came up with our best and worst um, permanent and best and worst loan teams of the 2010s era. Um, what we've asked you to do, Robin, is to join us when we cover the 2000s, the noughties, uh, a little bit later. But first of all, just in quick summary, would you have together a best 11s and a worst 11s, let's say, incorporating loan and permanent? Just yes, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got one yeah. of each. So what, what would you like first? Um, what do you think, Peter? What would you, what do you want first? Let's go worst first. Yeah, let's start. Worst 11. Um, <laughs> worst 11 in goal is Michael Pope. Oh, yes. uh, I've gone. I've gone traditional in all my 11s throughout both episodes. I've gone 4-4-2, very traditional. Well, you don't but I've gone <laughs> for a for a back four of Greg Halford, Jake Wright, Vitalis Maximenko, Joe Bennett as my worst back four. A midfield four of Elvis Manu, Kemi Agustin, Danny Holler, Ryan Harley, with a front two of Chris O'Grady and Billy Painter. <laughs> nice yeah a lot of those not a surprise at all so i noticed a couple of omissions I, you were mentioning during the uh 
last day or so, Chickson, but you've uh, excluded him at the. Uh, at yeah, the I think of Joe Ben. I think Chickson didn't really. I, was, I thought it might be a bit harsh to put him in because he didn't really get that much of a chance. Hmm. And I know that when he did play, he wasn't particularly great, but Joe Bennett just seemed to play a bit more and was a bit more average over a longer period of time, more consistently. Yeah. So. Well, Holler definitely came close to our list, I think, and mainly because he sort of started with a bit of promise, but he went quickly downhill and just seemed to peter out completely. Is, is that the was, basis? I think, of... Yeah, and I think for me, he was another one of those that came with, in theory, should have been quite an exciting signing. So I think was already built up in my mind a little bit. And then was quite a lot of those over the years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know touched on this on Josh's podcast before as well, which is that the Albion did have a ter- whenever we because we generally we were crying out for anyone exciting to sign at various <laughs> parts of the, the you know the two thousands and and onwards. That when someone arrived with a bit of pedigree, and then was immediately disappointing, it just made it doubly as disappointing. <laughs> yeah, there's something about we are all guilty of this as well of getting excited by foreign players when we the whole. Oh yeah, player, based on absolutely nothing flair. at all often, but flair was <laughs> getting thrown around freely. Which yeah, and I say worst yeah. eleven. It was yeah. difficult. There could have been a whole host of other people in there. Like I mean, Peter and I, we were discussing. You know, you could have Leon Best in there up front. He's, he's probably Holroyd. unlucky to miss out. Chris Holroyd's unlucky to miss oh, out. Pinhead himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the most overhyped players we've had in the um, MX era is Paddy McCaw. Everyone I've seen. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. One or two good moments, and that, actually, he didn't actually create anything really for Albion. No. And this no. was all based on the Barnsley game when yeah. he came with Barnsley and had a really good game against us at the Amex. But after O'Grady yeah. that night, hmm. yeah, yeah exactly. I think that was basically the reason why we signed Chris O'Grady as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot of people that can feel unlucky not to be in the worst eleven. But... <laughs> or lucky. <laughs> or lucky. Who's that, Peter? Sorry. Did you mention Kemi Augustine? Yeah, yeah. he's in there. Yeah, he's in there. You can't leave him out. Yeah. <laughs> that no. would be a travesty of justice if he was out of the team. Well, I didn't think you could um, leave Leon Best out, but uh... I know yes. that was tough. I was I was thinking about for me it was it was kind of I was on the verge of not putting Danny Holler in, and I was on the verge of going four three three with Chris O'Grady, Billy Painter, and Leon Best up front, but I yeah. just couldn't do it. I mean, the whole team That's is remarkably unremarkable, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. I just that was what made I couldn't do it because I just thought in my mind I thought if we if that team actually had to play together, I just thought with that front three, I just that can't be inflicted on anyone. It's just not fair. <laughs> O'Grady you... and Painter had no pace between them, and Beth just couldn't be asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's the uh, ever, isn't it, that that's the wor- that was the worst eleven. Well, I think they're impressively and, un- and remarkably unremarkable. In fact, that team that is. Really, quite something, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. I think did, didn't you say you were feeling physically unwell when you were dividing? Yeah, no, it? no. What we've got? To, I'm <laughs> feeling physically unwell at my worst loan eleven of the two oh, okay. thousands. Well, yeah, that's sure. not. That is not. That is not a good place to be. The twenty ten in that eleven decade, generally for Albion. Yeah, woeful team. Yeah, that is a woeful team. There are a lot mean, of options yeah. that could have got in there as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of people disappointed or whatever to not be in that. Well, happy. Anyway, Relieved. happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, getting on to the, um, you're just quickly onto your best 11s then of the yep. 2010s. Again, a mixture of any loans you've got plus permanents. Yeah, um, I have. I've gone slightly heavy towards the the championship team in this, 
And yeah. partly because I think mentally I've, I've picked the more successful, in inverted commas, Albion teams, the ones that tended to win a bit more. Um, mm. So that's, that's kind of my logic for it. So I've gone David Stockdale in goal. Could have gone with Matt Ryan. I mean, mm-hmm. though, that was, it was really a toss-up between those two. But I think David Stockdale, particularly in the promotion season, was excellent. And there were various moments. You know, the double save against Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday mm. um, was really a pivotal moment of that season. So um, I've gone for him. Back four of Bruno, Lewis Dunk, Matt Upson and Wayne Bridge. Midfield four of Vicente, Davy Proper, Dale Stevens, Anthony Knockhart with Glenn Murray and Leo Joa up front. Nice. That sounds a pretty good team, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, say Matt Upson was just, again, I know it was only that one season really under Oscar, but he was just obviously different class coming from yeah. the you know, the, the the level that he played at. And similar, Wayne Bridge was absolutely brilliant as well. He was another one. He was the opposite of what we were saying a few minutes ago about signings, you know, people that arrive with a big pedigree and you're very disappointed by it. Wayne Bridge arrived with a big pedigree and I expected very little from him. But yeah. actually, he was incredibly committed and he and was just brilliant. next year, he went to Reading and barely played the injury, didn't he? I know, he? yeah. He got the so, one good season yeah. left in him, basically. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he was he was brilliant. Vicente just has to be in there because there's no one that comes close to him in terms of pedigree that's played for the Albion during my lifetime and probably anyone's lifetime, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just dreamy, wasn't he? I'm, I'm, yeah. Obviously, you have to factor in the injuries. As I said, tongue-in-cheek, when we were doing our, um, our picks last time, um, you know, he's got glass legs and everything. And, you know, in the end, I, I kind of I had him in the team and then pulled him out due to a, an injury warming up and put Proper yeah, in. warm up. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, yeah Davy Proper has been, I think Davy Proper's probably, alongside Matt Ryan, Davy Proper's been the most consistent of yeah. the, the, the Premier League era signings that we've made. Um, obviously, Dale Stevens was, was absolutely pivotal in, in, you know, in, the, in the promotion season and you know, has, has been great Stevens in the Premier League as well. Or at least we didn't initially anyway. We had a really bad record without him in the team. Yeah, we yeah, hardly... Yeah, if he was out, we just didn't win, did we? Um, and obviously, you know, Knockart is or was absolutely box office for, for quite yeah. a long time. And, you know, I think, you, you know, you both know my feelings on it, which I, I think he would mm. still... He would still very much be part of the squad if he, if you know, if he was still yeah. with us today. So, uh, and you know, Glenn Murray and, and Leo Ajo are the the two, the two sort of out and out goal scorers that we've had. I, I did. I weighed up putting Ashley Barnes in there because I was a big fan of Ashley Barnes, but we didn't really achieve much when he was around. Mm. Obviously, you know, he's here for the promotion season, but in terms of obviously, you know, we got in the playoffs, etc. But I think I don't. He, he has gone on to be to be a very good. Premier League player, so I mean, he he's probably unlucky not to be in there. Um, yeah. I mean, if he was doing others, what he, what he does for Burnley um, when he was with us, then maybe he goes in. I guess it's yeah. difficult because he he did do a very good role, very well, underrated, underappreciated, all those Absolutely. things. But as a striker, he was it was almost like a, a deeper role he was playing. It wasn't really a striker as such, was he? So no, he was, was just a bit of he was just sort of the arch bastard in chief, wasn't he? In terms yeah. of just. <laughs> just sort of disrupting things but um yeah i mean i know pt you mentioned but having that pascal gross and Izquierdo in a you know obviously brilliant players and would have a shout i was thinking someone from earlier on in in the decade like andrew crofts would probably have a decent shout to be in there Bennett, we, um, we put in um between here on the wings it was between him and Izquierdo for the other second wing position with knockout because yeah was that promotion year yeah. yeah again was brilliant so it's 
So that, that is, to me, yeah, there's, I mean, there's certain players in there I think that would probably be in everyone's. I think Bruno, Lewis Dunk, probably Vicente, probably Glenn Murray would, I imagine, be in, in everyone's if you asked every Albion fan to do this. Yeah. yeah. But there's not really, I don't think, there's, don't think there's anyone really controversial in there, to be honest. I think everyone's got a, a decent, decent shout indeed. thing in there. Yes, yeah. it's, probably, it's probably a lot of players who deserve that sort of, that, that sort of accolade, yeah. Hmm. And it's, you know, you've got to pick 11, basically. Yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy, this is it, because it's, it's no, it's not out that deserve a place, struggling to fit other roles. And you have. To I think you could honestly, way. you could probably do, you could probably do two best elevens, and yeah. there wouldn't yeah. be a huge amount of difference in between them. And they both be decent sides, yeah, yeah. Certainly in right. different positions. I mean, yeah, mm. certainly at centre back, and obviously, you know, Duffy's been brilliant as well. You'd have a yeah. shout for putting him in. Well, and also um, we discussed uh, today about. Because, I mean, obviously, if you'd, I'd say the best left-back, for example, to have played for us in the 2010s is Bernardo, but he's not shown yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the problem. So, I think if, you were to do, if we were to do this, yeah, it's, it is difficult, isn't it? Because we, we, we were twisting it between permanent and loan, I actually put Bong at left-back in a permanent one because Bernardo's not really played enough, and Bong played a really big part in our promotion and then a really yeah. big part of the next season as well, especially. So, yeah, Absolutely. And it and it would be harsh on him not to be in there, despite what happened this season and all the fact he struggled this season. But, but that's, that's, that's the problem. You you've got to. That's that's the thing. It's very difficult to not let circumstances cloud your judgment. Yeah. Which is, as you say, in terms of someone, whether the fact you've got to remember that someone was brilliant. They had an apex at some point where they were brilliant, and yeah. that shouldn't rule them out of being in, regardless yeah, of what exactly. then it's happens. It's easy to forget, isn't it? Later on, yeah. memory plays tricks over time. Yeah, that absolutely. He was, you know, when, when you look at him, fast forward to him getting booed off in the last game he's played for us. Um, yeah, that was that was unpleasant. Which is, yeah, but there we have it. And Peter, you've got in the word harsh. I notice um, this is a bit of a <laughs> WhatsApp group. He's, he's That's the harsh, Peter, harsh harsh bingo for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tick right. And ticking another one off the list, we're going to lower the tone again now to get on to the main business of this podcast, which is to, apart from speaking to you about your helping history, Robin, um, is to select all three of us, our worst 11s on loan and our best 11s on loan uh, for the period of the 2000s, that is to say the noughties, which is virtually all of the Whitdean era, um, with a little bit of bookending one side or the other. Um, so where do we start? Do we start at the very bottom and work our way up with the worst? Yeah, yeah I reckon we've we got to go worse. This is as bad as it's going to be. So, Okay, well, I'm going to hand go over there. mainly to you guys because I've, I've only got a <laughs> partial team made here. So, um, no, that's absolutely fine. P- Peter, do you, want to, do you want to do the honours in goal? Who have you gone for? Two options in goal. Simon Royce and David yeah. Yeldell. And I went for the, the former because... We were so solid when Kuipers was in goal that promotion season. Then Royce came in and conceded like 11 in six or something like that and was pretty useless. Because they both only played a few games. But yeah, yeah I went Simon Royce. Yeah. I went uh, I went Florent Chagnot, oh. Oh. Um, yeah. who came in with a lot of promise uh, under Mark McGee, joined on loan from Rennes, I think, in France. Uh, had quite a good pedigree, came in, didn't really play very much. Uh, again, was being kept out of the team by Kuipers. Uh, the only thing I have a very tangible memory of him, which is he had an absolute meltdown when he wasn't in the squad on Boxing Day. 
uh, of that season. And he just, he had a complete meltdown. He left, he was going to be on the bench. And for some reason, he'd convinced himself that he was supposed to be playing in this game, despite not having played at all in the league. I think he played once in the, he'd played once in the league cup in, in, in the August at the very beginning of the season. Hadn't played at all. Had a meltdown when he wasn't in the team. And there was an article in uh, in the Argus that basically said Mark, Mark McGee basically said he was last seen running down West Street towards the English Channel <laughs> in typical Mark McGee fashion. Um, yeah, so I've put him in mainly for yeah for that meltdown. But I think actually, yeah, Simon Simon Royce is a is a better shout in terms of actual performances on the pitch and goals well, conceded. I'm happy to go with that. Whoever doesn't start is on the bench there for sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think I think Peter's shout is is uh, is the better mm. one. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about your um, stunningly bad defence? Who have you got there lining? Oh God. Um, I'll I'll give you my back. I'll give you my back four. Yeah, or do you want to do it position by position? No, go back four. I've gone for a back four of Gavin Hoyt at right back. Yeah. Joe Dolan and Keith Lowe at centre half, and Zamana Bakayoko at left back. Um, yeah, well, I, I actually did go for, I did get a defence together, and mine is very similar to yours, Robin. I've got Hoyt at right back. I've gone for Joe O'Carriel at centre back, who I think Peter's mentioned, and I think you yeah. may have him at right back, but he, he's listed as centre back on, um, I think it was Wiki, but um, I don't think it really matters where he plays. It's anonymous anyway. I had Joe Dolan and I had Bakayoko as well because he was dreadful. I forgot he was, he was... left back. <laughs> yeah, I had to pick him up. So I think Zamana Bakayoko arrived and he was branded at the end of his loan spell as being a disaster by Dean Wilkins. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's always a you know, yeah. kind of praise there. You know. Yeah, I, so I think... So mine's slightly different. Um, uh, I've gone for O'Car- O'Carroll, or Zero, or his name is, is at right back. So I, th- I thought he played right back for us, but I've got Hoyt as backup, so I'm happy to go with Hoyt if you guys want to go for him. Um, Centre backs, I've gone for. To be honest, I've forgotten Keith Lowe and Joe Dolan. So yeah, uh, I've gone for George Santos and Matt Heath. Oh God! Oh uh, yeah, George Santos was a nightmare. Was and a I only remember them because I went through the uh, the records of transfers Albion made in the twenty thousands. Oh, and then um, back to go left back. I am um, so. Can, shall we? Shall we decide? Can we therefore should we go for Hoyt at right back and Bakayoko at left back because that's yeah, fairly yeah. that seems fairly inarguable. At yeah. centre half, I'm happy to go with George Santos now that I've been reminded about him. I think I've just blanked him out because of how horrendous that is. I'm happy to drop Keith Lowe out because actually he didn't play any games. Yeah. Cool. Santos um, and Dolan. Santos and Dolan as the back uh, to complete the back four. Yeah, sounds good. What a quality team. <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's nauseating isn't it if you just think think about if you turned up if you turned up to the with dean sitting there in the pouring rain and that was announced as the back four i'd just leave i think i'd have just left well it's a good thing we've got plenty of strikers up front to score goals anyway oh no exactly yeah after that um well, yeah midfield my midfield four i've gone for aaron davis on the right wing uh, yeah. uh, George O'Callaghan and Diego Arismendi in the middle, and Junior Lewis on the left wing. Gorgeous, Interesting. George. Eh? Interesting, you've got Lewis in there. Mm. I've, I've, I know he's yeah. in my best team. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he came, well, he came in and I thought he did pretty well when we got promoted that season. Yeah, I just I couldn't think of. I was struggling. I was just I would say I was 
left wing was somewhere I was I was struggling with it. This was a kind of one I just chucked in at the end. Um, Aaron Davis just yeah was very underwhelming. Came with a bit of promise and actually did bugger all afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So who have you who have you got, Peter? <laughs> Uh, I have Alistair John at right right wing. I think it's Alistair John he, or something John. He came on loan from Charleston, I think it was. and okay. one, of those, one of those wingers who had loads of pace but couldn't cross a ball um, from memory. Oh, yeah. um, Zesh Raymond in central midfield. Um, one of you, one you're definitely going to disagree with, Robbie Savage in central midfield, just for the sheer money. Although I have got O'Callaghan <laughs> as backup for that. And then Matt Thorn- is it Thornhill? Matt Thornhill on the left wing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Matt Thornhill, yeah. I'd forgotten about him. He's a good... I'm happy to go with Thornhill ahead of Virginia Lewis because I think it is a bit unfair on him. I just plumped him in because I couldn't think of anyone else. Happy to go with Matt Thornhill on the left. Um, Diego Arismendi, all I remember him for is he got sent off in his last game at MK Dons, I think, for headbutting someone. Yeah. I just remember him. That was just the culmination of him just being terrible for... I think he only played six games. Or if he signed in 2010 or if he signed in 2009, which is one of the reasons I... But, I mean, get, I'm happy to go with him. I'm not that bothered either way. Did he get sent off for us as well in the few games he played? Yeah, yeah, right, they, yeah, he got sent off in the, yeah, the, against MK okay. Dons in his last game for headbutting someone <laughs> from memory. Oh, that, 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 so his dunk made his debut in. Yeah, I think. And that was one of... Yeah, exactly. So, I'm happy to go. Yeah, Matt Thornhill. Um, Robbie Savage. Yeah, I think I can see I can see it as well because he did, did very little. Um I suppose he didn't do very little wrong or very little right, did he? he was yeah, I think it's partly the reputation meh. that he came in as a player who should have been good. Yeah, no, he should have been brilliant, but he, but he just wasn't. If he, if he um, was blogs, he, he probably would have average loanies, but he was yeah. Robbie Savage, and he turned up in his, his Mercedes that or whatever. Was, or whatever yeah. <laughs> we paid him three grand a week, which is a lot of money in those days for us. Yeah, and it really was. Um, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to put him in. I'd probably go... I'd probably go Robbie Savage and George O'Callaghan, to be yeah. honest. O'Callaghan's drop was up there with Shane News. No, it really was, yeah. O'Callaghan, yeah, exactly. So it was live I'd on go with those two. Did he do it in an interview? Yeah, yeah, I think it really was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, that. yeah, right wing, I don't know. I think they're all as bad as each other, really. Aaron Davis, I don't really remember much about John, so... I just remember Aaron Davis just doing, just yeah, just doing nothing, just nothing losing the ball all. constantly. Yeah. He came from Forest. He'd been like a key part of was it Yeovil going up, and then so he thought we were doing yeah. something. And then yeah, he didn't do anything. It was just woeful, yeah. Um, <laughs> up front, Peter, who've you gone for? It's a it's I a very difficult you, decision. You said you said about the kind of the options, all the options here. I I think I'm missing some really really good ones because I've got Stuart Fleetwood. Um, yes, as have I. Yeah. Yes, Barrett. as have I. <laughs> and then Daniel Webb as backup, which is a little bit harsh, but no, I've gone, I've gone Barrett and Fleetwood as well. Yeah, I have actually. That's the only other place I had picked. Barrett and Fleetwood. Graham Barrett played thirty games and scored one goal. Yeah. Bloody hell. And Stuart Fleetwood played eleven games and didn't score any. So that's, that's a classy strike force you've got there. Yeah. So yeah, I think well, yeah, no, no arguments on that. That is a uh, that is a hundred percent agreement. So what's the team then? We got like Simon Royce in goal. Yeah. Gavin Simon Hoyt. Royce in goal. Gavin Hoyt, Joe Dolan, George Santos, Samana Bakayoko, yeah. Aaron Davis, George O'Callaghan, Robbie Savage, Matt Thornhill, Graham Barrett, Stuart Fleetwood. That is That's why when I, that that is a team that <laughs> just. Do you know what? Actually, I was look, say I don't know the ones that we put in, but certainly of the ones that I looked up in my team. There was only one goal in that team, and that was from Graham Barrett. 
And that was in his 30-odd games with a striker. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, so that is, a, that is a dreadful 11. To, to misquote a famous um, Sussex radio commentary, it's the stuff of nightmares. No, it, it really is. is. I told you that as a team that just I made it just made me feel ill thinking about it. <laughs> I'm feeling nauseous now as well. We might have to stop in a minute. Oh, so yeah, best loan team then. Yeah, that's. I think let's go. Let's move swiftly on to that. It was definitely good to do it this way around, wasn't it? We can. We can yeah, let's yeah, got rid of that. <laughs> right, best loan. So I've got most of one for this. So um, I was. Do you want to go first in... this time then? Yeah, yeah you go first, Russ. Who have you got? Yeah. So I've gone for, um, this is partly to fit in somebody from my permanent team, as you'll guess uh, when I tell you. It's uh, Ben Roberts. He was on loan for a few yes, games. Yes, I've gone Ben Roberts as well. This is all strategic, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had three games on loan, I think, before a permanent deal. So yeah, I've before then signing. Yeah, I've gone for him yeah. as well. I've got um, Andy Wing at right back, which you reminded me about on WhatsApp, mm. Robin. Um, I really like Wing. I thought he was good. Um, celebrated yeah, I've got him. that he... He set up a goal which I celebrated with his mother away at Scunthorpe randomly. Um, <laughs> That's a great anecdote. As you do. He crossed it in for I don't know who it was actually. I think it might have been Murray or somebody. But he, um, it got um, yeah, got headed in, and she she was grabbing me and screaming, "That's my son! That's my son!" <laughs> I thought I presume she meant the striker until I realised she looked exactly like Andy Wing. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's unfortunate. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, the mid, uh, the um, centre backs. I think we're really strong. We uh, there's two players I really, really liked during this period. Ivor Ingemarsson, who I was gutted we couldn't get on a permanent, although I didn't really believe we would be able to. Um, he was only with us for a short while from uh, Reading, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, and Paul McShane, of course. Um, yeah, I've got the same. I've got the same. So far, I'm I'm four out of four with you so far. Yeah. I have one uh, slight difference in mine, which I'm happy to go with you guys. Because I forgot yeah. that Roberts was on loan. I put Alan Blaney on goal because he did quite well at loan spells. But no, yeah. Also, Roberts was in lo- on loan, to be honest. Um, yeah. I did, I did struggle for a left back, though. I haven't As really did I. Position. Yeah. So, I did, you, did you conclude on anyone? No, in the end, I couldn't. No. Who did really you go sure. with, Peter? I've, I've got two options. I went for, I've got Matt Richards, who obviously played a few times for us and a, few, oh. a couple of loan spells. Yeah, I put, I, yeah, Matt Richards is who I went for. I've also got Gary Borodell, who did quite well on loan. Oh, but... yeah, he was a decent one as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, looked up, Matt, Matt Richards actually played... Matt Richards played 51 games across three loan spells. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, three spells? Yeah. 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 Um, so I think... We tried to sign him permanently a couple of times and couldn't afford him or something, I think. Mean, yeah, we so we just kept getting him back in on loan. So, yeah, 51 games, one goal. Ooh. And the winning penalty so think... against Man City. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a... I think that we're all largely agreed on that back five, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty solid back five, actually. It's a very solid back five. I mean, Andy Wing played 93 games in the end for us, which is pretty yeah. decent. So, anyway, yeah. he only kind of dropped out when Poyet started. When yeah, Poyet just couldn't before, couldn't keep up with the wasn't yeah possession based. But anyway, decent I back five thought, actually. I, I agree, and um, I always thought Andy Wing looked in profile like. Punch from Punch and Judy show, which is uh, <laughs> an extra an extra bonus there. I think um, yeah maybe makes him captain. You know, uh, he's less physical. So, than punch, but yeah, anyway. who's who's everyone gone with on the right right midfield slash right wing? Us, Peter. Yeah, there you go. You go. Um, I couldn't really decide on this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna 
Um, I'm going to pass this over. Uh, for the... I went with I went with Seb Carroll. Yeah, because he was yeah he was alone. I, I think one of well, he was he had three spells at the Albion, one of which was alone. Yeah, I'd forgotten yeah, so he was on loan once. So yeah, so I, I couldn't think of anyone, so I stuck Junior Lewis out there. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll yeah, Seb Carroll, six, 61 games, two goals across three spells. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy to go with that. I've got Carroll as one of two choices in my permanent team, so that solves the problem there. I'll go with Carroll as well. Happy with that. Yeah. Central midfield options? Uh, one obvious well, one, I think. Steve Sidwell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went, for my other one, I went with Bradley Johnson. Yeah, so did I. I. I went for Gary Dicker because I think he was on loan initially when he first came in. Oh, good shout. That is a good shout. Oh. And Bradley yeah, Johnson, right. very yeah, very short-lived, 10 games, 5 goals. Doing but, that um, against Leicester when he scored from like Yeah, exactly, when we were 2-0 down or whatever, yeah. I think that was his debut, I, wasn't it? Yeah. The other so, one I came but if you, um, six Nicholas because he was brilliant on loan but then terrible in the permanent. When he, when he yeah, down. I think I've, I'd be happy to go with Gary Dicker. Yeah. On that. I'd yeah. forgotten he was on loan. I'm happy to go with him. So, and he was so on loan right. the, the yeah. first part he came in and then permanent the second the, when he signed Yeah. In. Yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to go with him. Cool. But left wing left. Then. Um for me fairly obvious Kazenga Luwalawa. He was Yeah. I, yeah, was I forgot actually... to put him in there, but yeah. We I had agree. him he was he was in he was he had four spells at the Albion, three of which were loans. But were they in the right deco? Because I think he joined us in February um, of 2010. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I might be right. I, I was looking him up to, to check when he signed for a different reason and noticed, I think it said the 9th of Feb oh, or something. Man, let me have a look. It was a real gutter um, because I, I have him as a nailed on choice for left wing. But, um, um, I, I think, know you're right. You are yeah, right. That's is annoying. Because um, that would have made a great team there. Um, I guess Junior Lewis. Junior Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Junior I went for Yates, so they didn't do great, but he was the only one I could think of. Who was? Yeah, yeah, yeah Mark well, Yates. Yeah, right, Junior but... Lewis, maybe. Yeah, I'd put Junior, Junior Lewis, Lewis in. Yeah. Or with the options we got up front, we could go four-three-three with this one. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, who? Well, yeah, who have you got? Who have you gone okay. on with up front? Let's see if we can get three between us then. I've well, gone. Chris Aluma and Lloyd Awusu. Who have you gone, Russ? Um, I've got um, well, I've got Bobby Zamora as an option because he was on loan first. Oh, well, um, however, it depends what we're doing with the permanent teams. It, it would seem ludicrous to leave him out of the permanent team. Yeah, he's got to be in the permanent team, hasn't he? So on yeah. that basis, I don't want to put him in here. So I've gone with Iwalumu as well. Um, I hadn't decided on my other one. But a Wusu isn't a bad shout, actually. I've gone. I went Lloyd Wusu and Chris Wood. Oh yeah, was that? Yeah, that was in the noughties, wasn't it? Was he? Was he? In yeah, the just I think. Was he? He yeah. might have. No, that might have been twenty ten as well, actually. Uh, yeah, I think he might be again. Just the next. It's difficult, the... isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I the other ones I had down were Rougier, who obviously had scored a couple of goals at the end of one season. Well, oh that. yeah. Trevor Benjamin, who did quite well before. Yeah, I love I love Trevor Benjamin. And then Wayne Gray, um, who a couple of quite. Oh quick... yeah, Wayne Gray had a decent one as well. I'd yeah. go if we're picking three. I'd I'd forgotten about Chris Iwulumo being on loan. I'd go Lloyd Awusu, Chris Iwulumo, probably Trevor, ben- Trevor Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a case. But of Wayne Gray's got a decent shout. Yeah, yeah I'd go three up front then 
Awusu, so Benjamin. Benjamin. We're going Benjamin up front. Benjamin up front, yeah. I think. Yeah, let's make Sorry, it four three three then. Yeah. But yeah, Lloyd Awusu, seven goals in fourteen games. Yeah. Pivotal. And crucial really goals good. as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely pivotal. And he won, yeah. I noticed he won League One Player of the Month as well, like as soon as he'd rocked up pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They really raised um, the roof struggling. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a decent that's four three three, that's a decent team, isn't it? Brilliant. Oh, fine. It sounds like we've settled on some good players there and some very bad players. Um, in the earlier bit, um, that's um, I think pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty settled on those. Um, so just to summarise, then what do we have? We had so we've got uh, Royce in goal for our worst 11s on loan. No, that's not right, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, that's right. Royce, Gavin yeah. Hoyt, uh, George Santos, Joe Dolan, and Zuma. Uh, sorry, Zumana Bakayoko. Uh, midfield of Aaron Davis on the right, Robbie Savage, George Callaghan in the middle, Matt Thornhill on the left, and then up front, Graham Barrett and Stuart Fleetwood, the dream team. Oh, oh. And the team. best loans, maybe playing against that team, they could do some pretty good damage. In a 4-3-3, Roberts in goal, wing at right back, Matt Richards at left back, um, Ivor Ingemarsson and McShane, centre-back, Sidwell and Gary Dicker in central. With Seb Carroll on the right, or, or roving, shall we say, and then the top three, the Wulumu, the Wusu, and Benjamin. And I think substitutes. What would you go with there, man? Alan Blaney, I suppose. Borodale, Dicker. No, not Dicker. Yeah. Sorry, um, Bradley, uh, Johnson. Bradley Johnson. Alexis Nicholas. Yeah. Alexis and really Nicholas great. and Wayne Gray. Wayne yeah. Gray unlucky yeah. not to be him. Yeah, yeah. He was absolutely awesome. rapid, Wayne Gray, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, I think he was only with us a month or something, wasn't he? But he, he was. Yeah, I remember he scored a really good he goal. Was. It was at Colchester. Yeah, somewhere yeah, he scored right. a really good goal, wasn't it? Basically, their, right. their, their manager in the program and said we were a one-man team. And we were, and we were oh yeah, three Zamora three. was injured, wasn't he? Yeah. What was it? The game before? Yeah, someone had really done. They Zamora had done his shoulder or something, yeah. hadn't he? In the game Most before. Battened him. Yeah. 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 Or something, didn't we? It was like 4-1 or something. At Col- we turned up yeah. at Colchester and yeah, 3-1 or 4-1, I think. Singing 4-1 to the one-round team. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, ramming it down the throat. So that was, that was good. But yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's a good low. That's a good best best loan squad, actually. Yeah. I'd be happy with you'd that. You'd certainly be disappointed to against Barrett and uh, Fleetwood. Yeah, you'd be really upset, wouldn't you? I mean, and there's, there's no goals in that midfield either, let's be honest. Yes. And if they're going up against Inga Marson and McShane in the other team, they'd have absolutely no sniff whatsoever, would they? No, not not a chance. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. Well, there we go. Well, that's an hour. Um, I think that's the perfect place to finish part one of our chat with you, Robin, which represents episode 22 of this podcast. Um, we're going to take a break now, and then we'll be back with episode 23, which we'll put out probably a day or two later if you're listening to this. We were recording it on the same day. Surprise, surprise. But um, we'll, um, we'll reconvene and... What's coming up in the next bit is our best and worst permanent deals um, for the or permanent players, I should say, and um, that's for the noughties. We've also got, I can now spring on you, Rob, in the news. We're going to do the quiz. Now, with the quiz, um, Peter wasn't happy with his performance when he did it. Um, he was actually given a bit of a raw deal on the who am I section of the quiz. So he's going to also do the quiz with you. Send me his answers, and then you're going to answer them on air. That's the plan. So we've got that coming up in our next episode. Looking forward to that, boys? Absolutely. Definitely. Lovely. Great. Well, we shall be back. Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.